Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center, a church dedicated to loving God and serving people. Today, we have Pastor Preji teaching us from the series Hallowed Be Thy Name. The revelation that he would be sharing today is from the name Yahweh Shalom. Hope this will minister to you today. Hallowed be thy name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. The Bible says, Pray then like this Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus said, This has to be the center of your life. The glory of God's name has to be the reason for your living. If we can live each and every day of our life with the desire to elevate, to lift up, to magnify, to glorify the name of Jesus, our life will be successful. Our life will be fruitful. Our life will have true meaning in the light of eternity. The Bible says in Psalm 143 and verse 8, the psalmist, it's uh, David who is praying this. Let's read it out together. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. He's saying, I want to hear of your unfailing love every Sunday morning, right? Every time we have a conference, I want to hear your unfailing love. How often? Each morning, I want to hear of your unfailing love. Do you know that his mercies, his revelations, his heart, his, his desire to show himself to you is new each morning. Each morning you can have a fresh revelation of who God is. The Bible says, let me hear of your unfailing love, God. Let me hear of what you are speaking, what you are doing each morning. Why? Why do I want to hear you? Because I am not trusting myself. I am trusting you. So you need to show me where to walk. And I give myself to you. Verse 9, he says, rescue me, God, rescue me. I have a lot of enemies around me, so rescue me from my enemies. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run to you to hide me. I'm going to run to you and I'm going to expect you to hide me. The same God that gives me direction for my days, that gives me fresh unfailing love and who shows me where to walk. The same God is the one who will be my hiding place. That if I run to him, he will cover me. He will hide me, says the word of God. Verse 10, it says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. See, if we can pray this prayer every morning, Every morning, if you can pray, say, Lord, teach me to do your will, which is give me a word, give me your voice. Teach me to walk in your ways and may your Holy Spirit lead my legs, lead my hands, lead my decisions, lead my words in such a way that there will be a firm footing that I will not do anything that will 
be on shaky ground or or they'll be unsteady or unstable let your holy spirit lead me on a steady on a firm footing read the next verse together verse 11 for the glory of your name o lord preserve my life because of your faithfulness bring me out of this distress so david is praying lord you know the distress lord you know my enemies lord you know my problems but i'm not asking you to rescue me so that i will be happy i'm asking you to rescue me for the glory of your name how many of you want god to bless you how many of you want god to increase you how many of you want god to prosper you how many of you want god to heal you the question is not whether god will do that or not the question is why do you want god to do that for you everybody say for the glory of your name lord for the glory of your name may every blessing that i receive from you let it be for the glory of your name when you heal me let it be for the glory of your name when you bless me let it be for the glory of your name when you multiply me let it be for the glory of your name when you take me to different nations and when you expand my territory my boundaries let it be not for my name but for the glory of your name will you please preserve my life will you please preserve my marriage will you preserve my career will you preserve this aspects of my life because of your faithfulness lord bring me out of this distress he further prays he says in your unfailing love silence all my enemies and destroy all my foes for i am your servant because of your faithfulness because of your unfailing love you know this morning i want to tell you the story of this man who supernaturally silenced the foes that rose up against the people of god that rose up against the nation of israel this is from the book of judges chapter 6 and verse 1 the bible says the israelites they did evil in the lord's sight so the lord what did he do the lord handed them over to the midianites for 7 years israelites they had a very unsteady character one day they will love god and they'll be blessed by god the next day they will run away from god and then they will get punished by god and then they will turn to god and then they will be happy and then they will again fall back you know they had you know this very unstable character the bible says there will be one generation that will walk with god the next generation don't know the ways of god in the same intensity so they wouldn't be able to walk with god in the same level The Bible talks about this particular generation. It says they did evil in the Lord's sight. They did evil in the Lord's sight. And that is why the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for 7 years. You know, sometimes we think that this is the Old Testament philosophy that this doesn't happen in the New Testament. it happens even in the New Testament. You have to read the book of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. Jesus tells the church and he says you need to repent if you don't i'm going to hand you off for persecution i'm going to hand you off for trials and tribulations and challenges i'm going to put you on a bed of suffering 
You know, this is the same God of Old Testament who is also the God of New Testament. Now, the question that you and I would logically ask is why will a God allow something like that? It is because he loves us. Any father that does not discipline his children does not really love his children. So if your father really wants you to straighten up, come back on the right track, your father will not give you everything you want. Your father will not give you all the blessings you need. He is going to discipline you. He is going to be strict with you. He is going to withdraw some things or withdraw himself from you for personal discipline. And the Bible says that the Lord himself, he handed them over to the Midianites for how many years? For seven years. See, see, when God does something, he knows how long and for what and till what extent you and I can bear. And the Bible says for seven years, God handed them off to Midianites. Verse 2, the Bible says the Midianites, they were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. Do you remember what we read in Psalm 143? We read that when we have enemies running after me, I will run to you and I will hide in you. You are my hiding place. Here the Bible says that the Israelites were in a place of problem where they are attacked and they are surrounded by enemies. And instead of running to God, they found human solutions. The Bible says they made themselves hiding places where? In the mountains, the caves, and the strongholds. They found convenient places, convenient spots where they can hide and they can be covered. Verse 3, the Bible says, Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Malek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. Isn't that sad? See, when, when these people did evil in the sight of God, God handed them off to their enemies. Second, when they were unwilling to run back to God and come to the true, the real hiding place, the Bible says that God loved these guys to come and take away everything that these guys had sowed, planted. They could never enjoy the fruit of their labor. And they worked so hard, but they, they were at the verge of starvation. The Bible says these enemy hordes, they coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. You remember we studied about locusts during the month of October, yeah? It says they were as thick as locusts. They arrived as droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare, until there was nothing left. They would come on uh, these huge caravans of camels and they would come and wipe out every little crop that is there in the land. Now, if you and I were in that place, we would say this is truly the end of it. There is no hope. There's nothing good that is gonna come out of this. We have planted and there is no results. 
we 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 are being attacked in all directions and we tried uh, looking for hiding places and with no results with that also now the bible says verse 6 read it with me so israel was reduced to starvation by the midianites then the israelites cried out to the lord for help when they had nothing left check this out they tried everything possible their first resort was to go hide in the mountains and that didn't work they looked for caves and that didn't work they made their own strongholds then they tried planting crops around that place that also got taken over and then the enemy came in large numbers making sure that there is nothing left absolutely nothing left years after years for 7 years this was a process for 7 years year after year this was a lifestyle that these israelites lived in poverty and starvation and when they were about to reach the very end the bible says at that point they cried out to the lord can i can i request you to do something can i encourage you in this one area that you would never have to wait or that you may you never wait till that point to call out unto the name of the lord may you never wait for the last alternative when nothing else works may the presence of god be the first place you run to may the voice of god be the first thing that you will reach out for may the may the answers that god wants to give you about your situation be the first thing that you will be seeking when you are in trouble when you are in struggle the bible says in the next verse there is a repeat of that verse the bible says when they cried to the lord because of midian what did they do after 7 years when they reached the extinct of starvation the bible says they cried out to the lord it says when they did cry to the lord because of midian the bible says the lord sent a prophet to the israelites <laughs> lord this doesn't make sense you got to be sending a warrior or you got to be sending an angel or you got to be sending somebody who can provide for the food what do these people need right now they are at the edge of starvation so what do they need right now my right come on talk to me this morning if you are hungry and you've not had food for one week and you call the church office and we send you the podcast message to listen to that morning we'll tell you okay oh you are starving for 7 days great here is this morning's <laughs> podcast another day with jesus i want you to listen to this what would your natural normal response be they have no clue what i am going through god doesn't understand this god doesn't have any perspective god is not on my side or these guys whoever is speaking or is doing this they are not able to see my real need my real need right now is food for 7 years we have not had crops for 7 years we have not had prosperity for 7 years we have not had a breakthrough come on god do a miracle and send me some provision we have heard about how god has sent manna in the wilderness why won't you do the same thing now but god says no wait 
I'll come to your breakthrough, but before I give you your breakthrough, let me set some things right. Let me send a prophetic word that will realign your heart. And that is why sometimes there is delays in receiving blessings from God. So if we are willing, if we are excited, if we are ready, instead of, instead of, you know, trying to find our own solutions for our own problems, if we can run to the prophets of our city or to the leaders who carry the word and the voice of God for our lives, if we can go to them and say, you know, we need a word from God. We need to understand why am I going through what I'm going through? Why is it that I do not have enough? Why is it that my children are not walking in the ways of God? We can go for a prophetic word from God. Then I think that we can reach our place of breakthrough. I, I think that we can reach our place of blessing much, much faster. When they cried to the Lord because of Midian, this was God's answer. This was God's solution. God said, you need a prophet. And the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites and he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt and I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. And I told you, I am the Lord, your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. You've not heard my voice. You've not obeyed what I asked you to obey. So the prophet comes and the prophet brings correction. No instructions about food, no instructions about how to kill the Midianites, no instructions about how to get rid of all the challenges and the camels and the problems that are surrounding me. But instead, there is an instruction, specific instruction about how to obey his voice, how to realign yourself into doing the will and the purposes of God for your life. The Bible says in verse 11, this is the first what happened was a prophet came, right? The prophet came and gave the word from the Lord. So these guys, they listened to the word of the prophet. We don't hear about any response. We don't hear how it changed them, what changed about them, nothing. Then the Bible says, then the angel of the Lord came. The second thing that God did is he sent an angel. And the Bible says he came and he sat beneath the great tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. This is, this is funny. God, don't you see that we are in a season of emergency? We need immediate breakthrough. We need an answer right away. You, and, and, and here is an angel coming. And what is the angel doing? He's coming in. Sitting, relaxing, watching everything that is going on. Come on, God just released an angel. The Bible says, when Sennacherib came to attack the nation of Judah, the Bible says Hezekiah prayed and one angel went out. One night, one lakh, 86,000 people. Zoop, one night. That's what one angel can do. And here is an angel come. What is he doing? He's sitting and observing everything that is going on and uh, you know, you should understand this. God is not 
you know, in a hurry to give you your breakthrough. God is not in a hurry to give you your blessing. You are the one who should be in intentional about pursuing the ways and the purposes of God so that you do not delay your breakthrough. See, look at this. The, the angel came and he came and he sat at the right spot. He didn't do anything. He waited there. Nobody pursued him. Nobody came to him. Nobody questioned him saying, where are you from? What do you need? How can we help you? Nothing. Nobody did that. You know, if you read history, you will see several times when angels will walk into a city, there'll be people that will go out to receive them. You remember the story of Abraham? See, these angels did not come to have a meal at Abraham's house. The Bible says they were passing by and Abraham stopped them and said, wait, 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 you cannot just pass by my house like that. You need to come and have a meal with me right now. And Abraham would pursue, a lot would pursue. Several times you would see in the Old Testament where angels would come, these people who are in that locality, they will go locate them and pursue them so that they can get a word and an instruction from God. And here, an angel is sitting, where, is, where does it say? They were sitting beneath the tree of Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. My guess is that this angel probably came for Joash. Probably he came for Joash. He came so that probably Joash would be interested to pursue him and find out what needs to be done about this situation to find out what needs to be changed, but no response. Then the Bible says that the, the angel went further. It says, Gideon, who is the son of Joash, Joash's house is where this angel visited, right? Because nobody pursued him, the Bible says Gideon, the son of Joash, he was somewhere else. He was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide from the Midianites. And then the Bible says, the angel of the Lord, he went and appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Wait a minute. See, you should understand this from Gideon's perspective. He is not even the head of his own house yet. You know that in those days, when Abraham is in the house, no matter how old Isaac is, who is still the head of the house? Abraham is still the head of the house. This was a joint family system. They did not get to move out of the house like we get to do now. As long as they are in the family, Abraham will still be the head of the house. And here is an angel coming and speaking to whom? To Gideon. See, God is a God of protocol. You, you will never find God breaking protocol. Whenever he comes, whenever he ministers, whenever he speaks, he will speak to the person who is in charge, not to the one that is under the person. You know, and here the Bible says that God made a choice to skip Joash. Although this was Joash's house, although Joash was alive, Although Gideon was not a very important person in this house, he was not the head of the house, nothing. God skipped Joash and God went to the least, to the most unimportant person in this family and God went and appeared to Gideon and God gave him a word. What is the word? Mighty hero. The Lord is with you. 
wow, that's amazing because it doesn't make sense. This guy is a coward. Truth be told, he's hiding in uh, the, you read the previous verse, right? What is he doing? He's hiding and he's, he's trying to make sure there is some food or some drink, something that can be provided so his family can be taken care of. He's not a mighty hero. That was not his reality. But when the angel saw Gideon from God's perspective, the angel said, wait a minute, I have to call him what God calls him. I cannot call him what Joash calls him. I cannot call him what his neighbors call him. I cannot call him what he calls himself. I need to call him what God calls him. Now, see, God was looking at Gideon's life 40 years from then. Not that day. God was not calling him a mighty hero because of what he is going to do, what he did in the past or what he did in, on that day. God saw it from an eternity perspective. God saw it 40 years from then and God said, Hey, you don't know who you are, but you are a mighty hero. The Lord is with you. Now, this is Gideon's reply. I'm very interested to read this, okay? It says, Gideon replied, Sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles and the, that the ancestors told us about? You know the story about manna. You know the story about quail. But here we are at the verge of starvation. Where is the manna? Where is the quail? Where is the God who took us out of Egypt and brought us to Canaan? Where is this God? Why has God allowed us to go through all of this? He, he further goes on to ask, didn't they say the Lord brought us, this is again Gideon speaking, this is Gideon's question. He's saying, didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and has handed us over to the Midianites. If I was in the place of this angel, I would give out verses after verses from the Bible that will quote to them why this happened to them. Do you remember this happened to you? Nothing. This angel, check out his reply, okay? Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength that you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. That is not the answer to the question that I just asked. What was my question? Why did this happen? And where is this God? Has he abandoned us? Has he offended us? Has he kicked us out? Do we not have favor with him anymore? But what was the answer that God gave him? God gave him, first, his, first what God spoke to him is, you are a mighty hero and I am with you. Second, God says, you know what? Go with the strength that you have and you will be the one rescuing Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you out. Now, when, see, when we look at it logically, this may not look, it may actually look like God ignored Gideon's question, right? Gideon asked why and how and where and all those details. It may look like God didn't pay attention to Gideon's question, but that's not the truth. This was God's answer to Gideon's question. God's answer was, hey, you want to know why and where and what? You are the answer. I'm going to strengthen you and I'm going to be with you and my presence with you will be the answer to all the questions that your generation is facing. 
God is not trying to give logical, rational answers to everyday questions that we have to God. You may have real questions with God, but the answers to every question that, that you're going to ask God is God's answer is going to be, hey, wait, I am with you. That's all that you need. I'm going to be with you. And my strength is going to be in you. Paul said it like this in the book of Colossians. We're going to study that in detail later. Paul said, Christ in me is the hope of glory. If I have Christ in me, then I know that I'm going to experience glory, that I'm going to experience greatness. God's answer for the problems that we face is not an angel from outside, is not a, a prophet, is not just a, you know church or anything external. God's answer is that I'm going to be with you and I'm going to put my strength in you and you are going to become the answer. You are going to become the solutions. You are going to become the reason for people to experience freedom and breakthrough in life. That's God's answer. The Bible goes on to say, the next verse, but Lord Gideon replied, this is what we do, right? He said, how can I rescue Israel? My clan, first of all, is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh. Manasseh is not a fighting tribe, by the way. You know, the, fighting, the fighters are the Judah and the, the big, big guys, right? Here, here, look at me. I'm not, I'm not among the fighting. I'm in the tribe of Manasseh. Second, I am the least even in my entire family. I'm not the head of this house. You should have probably gone to Joash. He's the warrior or he's the guy who is in charge. You should have gone to him. But I'm just a small boy. I'm a nobody. I'm a coward. I have nothing. How can I do this? You know what, what is God's reply? The Lord said to him again a third time. What did God say? I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. See, you know what alarms me? What alarms me is that God had to say the same thing three times for Gideon to get it. What did God say the first time? Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Second time, the Lord said, don't worry, you are the answer. The Lord is with you. You go fight. The Lord will give you victory. Second, again he questioned. The Lord said the same thing as a reply. The Lord said, don't worry. I meant, when I said I will be with you, I meant that I will be with you. When I said I will be with you, I meant that I will be with you. And God says, hey, because I'll be with you, you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man, one man. Huh. You, will, you, will, you will take care of things. You will pay off bills worth seven years like you would, you're taking care of one month's bill. You know, just I want you to think about it in our terms, okay? What is God telling them? That seven years worth of problems, Gideon, you're going to fight and you're going, you're going to defeat like you're defeating one man. How are you going to bots down one person? That's how you're going to take down the enemy that has been fighting you for seven consistent years. Gideon replies. Now Gideon is getting the, getting the perspective that the angel is giving him. Now Gideon replies and he says, If you are truly going to help me, 
then show me a sign to prove that it is really God speaking to me. Do you see what his question is? His question is, now his question changed. Now his question is not whether I can do it or not. Now his question is, is this truly from God? If it is truly from God, then I need a sign. Then I need a sign that will tell me that God is on my side. That God is fighting for me. I just need a sign. And I will go and I will take the issue up with any giants, any problems, any enemies. I will go and fight them. Just give me a sign that God is on my side. Now, see, if I was in Gideon's place, I would in fact say, God, I need so many people to fight for me. And I need so much money to fight. And I need so much food and equipments and you know, you know the natural things. If God would, see, I'll tell you in your language and my language. If God would say, start a business that will touch nations, what would you tell him? God, send me business investors, send me uh, or contacts, uh, you know, somebody from this nation and somebody from, give me all these things and then I will do it. But what did Gideon say? Lord, I just need proof that you are with me. If I have proof that God is on my side, then I'm going to take this up. I'm going to go into it boldly and I'm going to fight the enemy no matter what. And he went on to say, don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you, he answered. I, and then the angel replied and said, I will stay here until you return. So, so Gideon is what, is, what is the first thing he said? I want to see a sign from you. So to receive a sign, to receive something physical, tangible, Gideon said, I know what I need to do to get a sign from you. I know what Noah had to receive to do to get a sign from God in the heavens. What did Noah do? He built an altar. He offered something and immediately he got a sign. He got a revelation. The Bible says God was so honored by that uh, sacrifice that, Mo that Noah did that God gave them a sign. You remember? A sign of his covenant with humanity. God gave them a, a rainbow. And God said, as long as you look at this sign, this is a proof of my covenant with you. This is a proof that I am there for you, that you are not going to be destroyed. And here Gideon says, God, I need a sign. But he says, I know that sign will not just drop down from heaven like that. Sign will come when I offer something. You know, from generations, they know that from the time of Cain and Abel, the way that they know if God is on their side or not is when they offer something. Is when they bring their offering of worship. And they see the hand of God. Here was Cain and Abel that came bringing their offerings to God. One offering God accepted and one God rejected. That was a sign for them of whose side God is on and whose side God is not on. You remember the day of Elijah. Elijah stood up and said, hey, let's see whose God is real God. Let's see. Let's call for fire from heaven and let's, let's prove this for good and see and ask God for a sign. Whosoever God answers by fire, he's a real God. Come on, guys. You know the story, right? Don't make me go back into the book of uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 and retell the whole story. 
And, and, and Elijah said, hey, let's do this. Let's ask God for a sign. Let's make this public. So Elijah knew the sign will not come till I build an altar. The sign will, the proof will not come till I am willing to go an extra mile and lay down the wood and cut the bulls and, and do everything possible to make sure that the altar is rebuilt. And that rebuilding that altar, it takes effort. It takes time. Let me read that, okay? It says, so Gideon, he hurried home and he cooked a young goat. I don't know how many of you have, uh, you know, tried cooking one one kg chicken. How long does it take approximately all the women in the house if you have to cook? 40-45 minutes? So let me give you one young goat. How, how big that young goat would be? If you have to cook one entire young goat, Joey says one hour. Are you, are you sure that one hour, one hour is enough? I, I, think it may, I think it also depends on how much fire you put and you know, to get that fire, you need to have proper wood and all, everything in place. And then the Bible says, he cooked a young goat. Look at this. The angel or God did not give him a sign until he got back with the offering. Angel waited. The angel said, you want a sign? You have to bring me an offering. You have to bring the, the thing that is prescribed. The Bible says that he cooked a young goat. And with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. So first he uh, did goat barbecue or whatever that was and then he made chapati, roti, whatever, you know, or whatever he wanted to do, he did that on the side and then the Bible says then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth, okay, he also made broth which means that that takes extra time, right? You can imagine how much effort has gone into the making of this. The broth in a pot he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was still under the great tree. He was still waiting there in the same place. Then the angel of God said to him, are you ready for the sign? I'm going to give you the sign now. You prayed. You asked for the sign that God is on your side. Here is the sign. He said, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock. There was a rock over there. He said, place it on the rock. And then he said, pour the broth over it. And Gideon, he did as he was told. Okay, you remember? The key word here is the rock. On the rock, he made him keep the uh, unleavened bread and the, and the broth. And he poured the broth over it. Then the angel of the Lord, the Bible says, he touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand. And it says, and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all that he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. So check this out, okay? Two things that you would see. Very, very intentionally I have highlighted them there. One is the rock and is the fire. It says that he had to come and keep the offerings that he had brought the meals that he had cooked, he made and he kept it on the rock. And the Bible says, from the rock came out flames of fire and it consumed the food that he had prepared. Zoop, it just consumed everything. If I was in that, 
in Gideon's place, I would have been really upset. I worked so hard to make so much food and it got consumed in one second in fire. And the Bible says that immediately the angel also disappeared. Now this was the sign that God gave him. Okay, do you remember the two things? The rock and the fire. Jesus is our rock. And the Bible says, John says, Jesus is going to baptize you with the fire and with the Holy Ghost. And that was meant to be a sign for the Gentiles and for people that God is on on their side. See, whenever the Israelites, whenever these Jewish missionaries would go to different cities and preach in the name of the Lord, the sign that the Lord has attested and and, and he has proved that this work is genuine is when the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon them. And when the fire of the Holy Spirit will fill the place, that was a sign for them and for the people around them to know that, oh, wait a minute, this is God, this is something unusual. And this fire did not come from the angel or from the staff, it came from the rock. And Jesus is our rock. The Bible says he's the one that baptizes us with fire and with Holy Ghost. And see, you should understand this, that as soon as he saw this sign, he freaked out. Gideon freaked out. The Bible says, verse 22, it says, Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord. And then he cried out. Till now, he has no clue that he's he's having an encounter with the angelic force of heaven. And he said, He cried out and he said, Oh, sovereign Lord, I am doomed because I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So I don't know if I can come out of this alive because suddenly Gideon was aware of his failures. Suddenly Gideon was aware of his unholiness. Gideon was aware of his impurities. Gideon was aware of his lack You know that Isaiah, when he went into the presence of God and he saw angels of God surrounding the the throne and worshiping, immediately what did Isaiah say? Woe to me, woe to me, for I am a man with unclean lips and I live among unclean people. This will not work out. I am going to die. He freaked out. And the same experience Gideon had in this place when he saw that God was truly in this, he immediately started freaking out saying, oh no, I have seen the angel of God face to face. I'm not going to live. And God replied to him and God said, it is all right. The Lord replied, do not be afraid. You will not die. You deserve to die, but you will not die. You, you are not supposed to live beyond this point, but don't worry. I have shown mercy on you and you will not die. You know what Gideon did in response to that? That is the topic of this morning's word. Verse 24. It says, And Gideon built an altar to the Lord and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. And everybody said an amen. Amen. See, if you remember from three weeks, we've been studying building altars. You remember how Abraham... When he climbed the mountain, he built an altar there on which he uh, he sacrificed, he was about to sacrifice his son, okay? And as he built that altar, God gave him somebody else to, to, you know, to be killed in place of his son Isaac. And then he called that place Yahweh Ireh. You remember that, right? 
What did we study after that? Rafa. Do you remember Rafa? The, the Lord is my healer. That was also when God was encountering his people. Then we hear about Yahweh Nisi. That was also when God gave a mighty victory to Israelites. And then Moses, he built an altar there and he said, and he called that altar a particular name and he said, this is Yahweh Nisi. The Lord is my banner. But on this particular instant, see all the previous instance, if you read, the altar was built or the name was given after God gave a victory. Okay? Like when God gave them a ram or God healed the people of Israel or when God uh, provided this amazing victory. You remember last time we read about how Joshua and Moses together they, they, they fought and got this victory. Yeah? And then they built this altar. But when it came to Gideon's story, Gideon did not yet have any victory. Gideon is still surrounded by enemies. Gideon is still surrounded by people that want to kill him, eat his food, and make sure that nothing good comes out. Nothing is left in the land after they leave. And at that point, Gideon said, Wow, I just had a word from God. I think it's time for me to build an altar. And he built an altar and he said, Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is my peace. The Lord is the one who gives me peace. And he, and he said, that's it, my, my story, I, I'm, I'm done. From here on, I don't need to fight. See, till now, this man, he was hunting for assurance from God saying, is God really with me? I need a sign. I need to know that God is on my side. I need to know that God is, is somebody that I can trust in. That this Yahweh Shalom is somebody that I can depend on. When he got the sign, he said, that's it. I don't need my answers to come. I may be still surrounded by storms on every side. I will call. I will... I will build an altar and I will say, this is the altar for Yahweh Shalom, who, whose name means the Lord is my peace. What am I trying to tell you? See, every other encounters or experiences that they've had, they had after the breakthrough that God gave them. But Yahweh Shalom, the best time for you to experience Yahweh Shalom is not in times of peace. It is in times when you do not have peace. The best time for you to experience the blessing of Yahweh Shalom is when you're surrounded by enemies all over. And God says, hey, this is, are you ready? I'm going to prove to you that I'm on your side. Is that enough for you to trust me? Is that enough for you to trust me? Don't ask for uh, breakthrough and miracles and answers and healings and only then you will trust me. No. I'm going to give you a sign. The best sign that I can give you is the sign that was given to us on the cross when Jesus died for us. When he became that object of sacrifice for us, you and for me on the cross. And he said, will you trust me? Now that I sh I've shown you, you know, that is why when the angel came and he wanted to uh, name Jesus. You know what the angel told Mary? You will call him Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. Hey, Gideon, God is with you. 
Gideon, you're still asking irrelevant questions. God is with you. Come on, Gideon, you still haven't gotten the point. God is with you. What else do you need? No, 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 pastor, give me another prophecy. I want to know, I want to know when will this happen? How will this? No, 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 God is with you. That is all the assurance you need. Are you going to continue to keep asking God for more assurances? Or are you going to say, God, thank you. I know that you are with me. And because you are with me, I am going to walk and live and, and remain in peace. Yahweh Shalom. And he built an altar there and the Bible says he called that altar Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is my peace. Read this with me. Yahweh Shalom is my refuge, is my hiding place. He, he is the one who gives me my direction, my strength, my courage in every season of life. Every season of life. It's not, it's not my abilities See, when you put yourself in Gideon's place, you and I will feel perfectly qualified to do the craziest of things. Because Gideon, he was living in hiding, thinking this is his refuge, but that was not his refuge. God was supposed to be his refuge. Yahweh Shalom was supposed to be his refuge. Yahweh Shalom was supposed to be his hiding place. After this encounter with God, he came out of that hiding place. And, and here, God speaks to him and God says, hey, Go in the strength that you have. God doesn't say, you know, just fast and pray for 40 days and supernaturally you will have muscles popping out like Samson's. You know the story of Samson? Just like that you will have muscles popping out and there you can... No, no, no. God says, no, no, no. How much strength do you have? How much money do you have in your bank account right now? How much openings do you have for ministry? What, what... What is kept in front of you? What is the five loaves and two fish that you have in your basket? Go in that strength. I am with you, friend. I am with you and I'm going to make sure that I will multiply that little that you have in your basket. The little that you have already have. Go in the strength that you already have. Yahweh Shalom is my refuge. He is my hiding place. He is my direction. You know how God sent a prophet to give them direction? When they cried out to the Lord, what did God do? God sent them a prophet. He is my direction. I need direction for every season of my life. And Yahweh Shalom, He gives me direction. When I'm lost, when I don't have any sense of where I'm headed, Yahweh Shalom is my direction. He says, He is my strength and He is my courage. You know, these disciples of Jesus, they were locked up in a room where nobody can see them. In fact, they were very scared. And that's why every time Jesus would come, the first thing Jesus would tell them is, do not be afraid, it is I. I am Jesus. I am I'm not here to harm. Because every time they would look at Jesus, they would think that this is a ghost. And you know, in fact, one time Jesus actually came and told them, guys, does ghost have flesh and blood? Look at me, I have flesh and blood. Je Can you imagine how, how alarming it is if Jesus had to prove to his disciples that he's not a ghost? Jesus was trying to explain to them saying, guys, I'm with you, I'm really with you. Take courage, take courage, do not fear. And finally Jesus said, okay, I know the solution to your fear. 
I'll tell you what you need. You need the Holy Spirit. So do not leave Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because if when he comes upon you, you will receive boldness and you will be my witnesses starting from Jerusalem and you will go to Judea, to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Your courage will come when I come upon you, when I come inside you, when I come with you. So Jesus said, you guys need the Holy Spirit. In fact, he said, the Holy Spirit, he will be with you and he will be in you. You know, to Gideon, he only had the privilege of having God with him. Today, you and I, we have God with us and we have God in us. He is our courage. The Holy Spirit in us is the courage that we need. It's the boldness that we need to face every situation in life. Amen. And all of this is made possible to us because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. He became our peace offering. You know, in the Old Testament, there was something called as a peace offering where the priest would bring, when there were two parties there were, there, that would not be at peace, when somebody is not at peace, they have had an issue in their relationship with God or somebody else, they would bring a peace offering. Jesus became our peace offering when he died for us on the cross. You know, what Gideon was bringing to this uh, angel was a peace offering. And in the same way, Jesus became our peace offering. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Who was made, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So everything that is stopped you from experiencing true heavenly peace. The price for that has already been paid by Jesus on the cross. He is our Yahuwah Shalom. Jesus is the one who brought the peace of God for us. He goes on to say in Romans chapter 5. I love this book by Billy Graham by the name Peace with God. Amazing book, amazing tool for evangelism. He wrote about how we can have peace with God. The Bible says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, how? By faith, we now have peace with whom? With God. Because Christ is our peace, now we have peace with God because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. And it goes on to say what Jesus told us in John chapter 14 and verse 27. He says, I'm leaving you a gift. And this is a gift of peace. It's a gift of peace of mind and of heart. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. See, the world, it, it gives you peace that is circumstantial. If, the, if your circumstances is all right, then you have peace in your house. But Jesus said, I'm giving you a peace that is not like the one that the world gives. This is not circumstantial. So don't be troubled or afraid. Chapter 16 and verse 33, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace. Where? In me. Because here on earth, you will. Somebody say, you will. You you don't look convinced. This is Jesus speaking. Who is saying this? Jesus says this. He says, you will. It doesn't say you may. It says you will. How many of you are living on earth? Let me see your hands. Okay. 
thank you, Lord, for the remaining that are living on some other <laughs> planet. You need, to, you need to get me to where you guys are living. Since here on earth, if you're living here on earth, what will happen? You will have? Somebody say many. many. You will have many trials and sorrows. But what should you do? You should take heart because I have overcome the world. And because I have overcome the world, I can give you peace. That is not the kind of peace that the world can give you. That you may be in the midst of all these trials and sorrows. You may be surrounded by all these enemies. Gideon, I know that it will be a while before you'll actually get the physical victory over your enemies. But you can experience peace right now. You can experience peace today. Pastor, my paycheck has not come. It's okay, you, have, you can experience peace today. I have not experienced my healing yet. That's okay, you can still experience your shalom today. I have not seen my freedom, my breakthrough yet. It's okay, you can still experience your shalom. You can still experience Yahweh's shalom. You can still experience, you know, the Hebrew word shalom, it, you know, in English, we just translate it as peace. But the, whole, the word means wholeness. It means, you know, if, if there is a, if, if you get a pizza in your house, if you buy a pizza, you can look at it and you can say if it is shalom or not. If there is one piece missing, it means it's not shalom. You know, if you see the whole circle, nobody's taken a bite, nobody's taken a triangle out, then you know that this is the whole thing. And that's what God says. That's who I am to you. I am your Yahweh Shalom. I like what Gideon said. He did not say, you are Yahweh Shalom, you give me peace. He says, no, you don't give me peace. You are my peace. If I have Jesus, I have peace. If I have God, I have everything that I need to live and walk in peace. Amen? So this morning, can I pray for you and pray with you. I know that some of us are going through difficult times. I know that some of us are experiencing challenges and issues, but none of that can steal our peace. They may be able to steal our health. I'm not saying they should. They may be able to steal sometimes. They may be able to steal our money sometimes. They may be able to steal our sleep. They may be able to steal our seven years, continuous, constant fights. They may be able to take away all of our resources. They may come in vast numbers. They may try to overwhelm me. But the one thing that they cannot take away today is my peace. You know, Gideon's people, they couldn't, they couldn't experience that peace because Jesus, they did not have a revelation of what Jesus did for them yet. But today you and I, we have a revelation of what Jesus has done for us. The Bible says Jesus is our peace. Christ, with his blood, he became our peace on the cross. He died. That was the peace offering that Jesus would bring before the Father so that you and I can call on Yahweh Shalom. Amen? Are you ready? Come on, let's pray all over this place. Thank you for downloading today's sermon. We hope this ministered to you and your family today. Connect with us at DreamingRevival.com and you are welcome to join into any of our Sunday celebration service at 11 a.m. Or you can tune into our live stream at YouTube.com slash PastorPreeJee. 
God bless you and have a blessed week.